Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 161, how the art of M&A strategy is changing, what top leadership needs to know. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And sitting right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hey there, Pam. It's always great to join you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, growth, and success. Now, Pam, one of the enduring strategies for innovation and game-changing success that people have been using for quite a long time is mergers and acquisitions. Yet the success of these deals in a disruptive environment as we have now, is dependent on so many factors. Well, certainly the more the strategy of M&A is a fit with your company's big picture strategy, the higher the likelihood is of success. Well, sure. But in a disruptive environment, every top leadership team needs to understand the changing nature of M&A strategy and what this could mean for their company. That makes sense. And that's why we're pleased to be speaking with today's guest. She is our longtime friend, Alexandra Reed Lajoux, founding principal of Capital Expert Services, LLC, a diversity-minded firm connecting law firms and other professional services firms with business specialists. She also serves the National Association of Corporate Directors, NACD, as Chief Knowledge Officer Emeritus. With more than 30 years' experience in industry, she's regarded as a trusted source of useful insights and introductions in the field of corporate governance, M&A, and the professional disciplines that underlie these two important domains. Alex is lead author of the fifth edition of The Art of M&A, A Merger, Acquisition, and Bioguide, which will be released in late July. Her articles have appeared in Financier Worldwide, Risk and Compliance, and Capital Insights. She's also series editor for Corporate Governance and Sustainability Books at DG Press, an imprint of DeGroyter Publishing. You can read more about Alex by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 161. Alex, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you so much, Pam and Scott. Well, this is a very exciting time for you as this latest edition of The Art of M&A is being published. Now, before we get into our discussion, can you tell us why is this book called The Art of M&A? Where's the art? It's funny. This is a wonderful question. Looking back on those days, I realized that the law firm of Lean and Edson, which was the home for the first edition of The Art of M&A in 1987. Wow. Thought of the, uh, with me, thought of the idea of M&A as an art at the exact same time that Donald Trump was writing Art of the Deal. The two books hmm. came out at the same time. So wow. no ideas seem to have a, a, a true individual home. It's more like a zeitgeist. Uh-huh. And I think that the zeitgeist 
of the 80s was that we were having success, making money hand over fist, and then we asked ourselves, how? How did we do this? Mm-hmm. And the, the Sanskrit A-R etymology root means putting things together. So it's no coincidence that art itself, which puts things together, is no stranger to mergers, and mergers no stranger to art. Well, there's a lot of uh, judgment involved, and there's an art in that for sure. And certainly no two deals are ever the same, no matter how similar they look. Right, exactly. Now, Alex, this is the fifth edition of uh, The Art of M&A. You started back in 87, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Over these years, what's the biggest change that you've seen in how people go about developing M&A strategy from the beginning to now? I think there are a lot of differences. First of all, the entire economy is different now. We're living in the age of information, of data. We have our monopolies yeah. today involve data. Google, Mm -hmm. Facebook, Microsoft. And back when the first merger wave happened, the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, there were physical commodities. And back there in the 80s, when we did our first edition, we were on the verge of the information economy, but we weren't really there. Uh, The computer had been invented, but the internet had not yet been invented. So a lot of the deals that galvanized in the 80s were leveraged buyouts from manufacturing firms based on debt. And all the paperwork for the deal was was real hard paperwork. There were binders. There were physical data rooms. And as I have religiously gone through every single edition, updating the edition, the changes I make, many of them have to do with the fact that we're not living in a concrete world anymore. We're living in a virtual world. And then Mm -hmm. the, the second big change I see is really who calls the shots. Back in the 80s, it was still the days of the imperial CEO. And now, in the year 2019, clearly shareholders represented by directors are, are, are really the ones who decide whether a deal succeeds or not and whether a deal is even feasible. And, of course, this isn't the end of it. There's always going to be more changes. I mean, that's just the nature of what it is. Mm-hmm. So disruption is really driving everything. How do you see regulations or the global economy also impacting this? Well, it's interesting. Regulations, I was just reflecting on this when I did the most recent edition of how, how far we've come since the days of the, the Sherman Act of 1890, the Clayton Act of 1914, Hart Scott Rudino, oh, disclosure regulations of 1976. They all were so very concerned about market share, really the idea that a company could have a monopoly, and the whole problem with mergers had to do with the fact that Unfortunately, a merger might squeeze out a worthy competitor and create a kind of a monopoly or an oligopoly, and that was the emphasis Mm -hmm. of all the regulations that directly concern mergers. But now we have the additional uh, concern about privacy, the ownership of data, you know, the uh, the GDPR that became effective in in May 25th of 2018, General Data Protection Regulation of 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 the EU, is has a, a lot of repercussions. There are global regulations that 
affect mergers even here, the UK on any bribery act. Then we have our Foreign Corrupt Practices Act that came out in 88 that keeps getting amended and reinterpreted. But generally speaking, if you are involved with a public company and you're going to do a merger, it's not just Mm -hmm. the antitrust regulations you have to worry about. It's a a boatload of others, and especially there are many industry-specific regulations. So for a specific industry, say it having to do with aircraft or having to do with financial services, you mm-hmm. have to know those regulations as well. So there is a lot to think about. And of course, your book has quite a bit of this information in it. Yes. Very, very comprehensive. So anyway, what does this mean then for top leadership on how they need to think differently as they develop their M&A strategies? I think that Top leadership, and it really does depend on the size of company you're leading, the sector in which you're operating, your, your vision for your owners. It's quite relative. But I would say that I, I tend to be an optimist, and so I believe that for any given business leader, I will say the world is your oyster. Go for it. Whatever you dream, you can do it. And, and people like you, Pam and Scott, I have to say, are inspirations in that regard. You have a vision. You go after it. You encourage others to do the same. There's, don't take no for an yep. answer. Keep trying. Keep, That's right. And, you know, M&A is such... It's such a beautiful thing if it's done right. So many people do it wrong, and that's the reason mm-hmm. that I've spent, what is it, 40 years now? <laughs> I haven't counted, but it's been a long time, constantly updating this edition and then doing a lot of spinoffs. I did something like mm-hmm. 10 spinoffs. On each, each topic would get deeper, uh, deeper treatment. But you know, M&A is about figuring out what your value to the world is, how you can be of service to the world. What are your strengths? Building on those strengths. What are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Offsetting your weaknesses. Where do you want to go? How can you serve? And using M&A as a tool for these higher values. Well, that's the way to think about it. And there's much more to talk about. First, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll speak more with Dr. Alexandria Lejeune, founding principal of CapEx and author of The Art of M&A, about how the art of M&A strategy is changing. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to ignite, sustain, and boost the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. To everyone listening, welcome. We're glad you joined us, whether it's because you're a subscriber or you've just found us wherever you pick up your podcast. But there is a special reason to visit growthignitersradio.com. This is the only way you can access all of the previous podcast episodes from the past five years. It's also the only place where you can find unique show notes, bios, and resource links that are specifically related to each of our podcasts. We feature award-winning CEOs, thought leaders, and best-selling authors. You can explore more by going to growthignitersradio.com today. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Dr. Alexandra Lejeune, founding principal of CapEx and author of The Art of M&A, on what top leaders need to know about how the art of M&A strategy is changing. Alex, how can people find out more about your book and CapEx? 
Oh, well, Capital Expert Services has a website. It's capitalexpertservices.com. The book is widely sold. It, of course, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We're also having a particular book signing in August at the Fifth Avenue Barnes & Noble, and I'm excited about that. I'm kind of drive, driving customers there to that good old brick and mortar. So those are the two main ways. Okay. And we will have a link as well to that book signing if you go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 161. So Alex, before the break, we were talking about how M&A strategy has substantially changed in so many ways because we live in an information world. And also, of course, there's changes in so many other regulations and the board itself. How do you see the accountabilities of the board and C-suite changing regarding M&A strategy in 2019 and even beyond? Well, I, as I mentioned previously, I, I do see a rising power of shareholders, particularly institutional shareholders. They crossed that 50% threshold back in the 90s and became the mm -hmm. dominant owners of stock, and that trend is only increasing. Retail shareholders have very little to say. So it's the institutions who are driving it. There are various types of institutions, of course, some of the public pension funds, the mutual funds, and so forth. And at first, activism in corporate affairs was limited to a few gadflies, and then it started catching on with the, with the union pension funds mm -hmm. and then the public employee pension funds, etc. And then what came out of that, and this is why my many years at the National Association of Corporate Directors is relevant, is that directors began to realize that they're not just there to support and give advice and counsel to the CEO, which is a great thing. They still do that, and it's still very valuable, but they also mm -hmm. represent the owners. And to this day, now, as they look at M&A, they're not just saying what would be gratifying to our precious CEO and make our company bigger they're also saying, what kind of total return on shareholder investment will there be from this transaction? Because we're not just thinking about our own company, although that is ultimately their fiduciary duties to think about the company, but we want the company to mm -hmm. last long enough and produce wealth long enough to help our owners, many of whom are beneficiaries of pension funds. So directors, they, they have a fiduciary duty to the corporation. They want that talented CEO to keep striving, keep dreaming, keep proposing transactions, but they also have to be very aware of the fact that a, a large part of their capital base, i.e. the owners, those providing equity capital, need to understand the value of the deal in terms of are they going to get their money back. Okay. Now, we also have people listening who are leading private companies. A little yes. bit different, but there's the board and there's the C-suite. Any differences that you're seeing there, and do you talk about that in your book? You know, everything I said about public companies is all in one chapter, your special issues for public companies. Most of the book really is about friendly deals, and it could very well involve private companies. The, the emphasis there has to do not so much with the duties of directors, but the journey of the transaction. It starts mm -hmm. with strategy. It moves to valuation. Then it moves to financing. It moves to structuring. It moves to due diligence. You have your closing. You go to integration. So the book leads the private company CEO and any CEO through or senior management through the merger process, asking questions and answers that help that potential acquirer 
know what to do. Oh, I forgot negotiation, the most important part. <laughs> Nothing is more important than, a, than an acquisition agreement. Everything needs to go in there. If you're hoping, dreaming, praying for something, get it in the acquisition agreement. And that's why you need a good attorney by your side. Is it in the agreement? Is it watertight? Uh, Can, is it enforceable as a contract? Now, apropos to that, Alex, you've recommended for some time that companies share their general M&A strategy. Now, is that to prospective partners, to the world at large? And what are the benefits of being transparent about strategy? Basically, so much of a company's value is tied into its brand, the amount of trust right. it has in the marketplace, and not just in terms of the, the share price that it has at, at the moment, while, although that's important, not just the amount of cash it has, or not just the balance sheet, debt to equity ratio, but it's really the whole value of the company's reputation. Mm-hmm. And owners do not like surprises, whether they're... <laughs> It's a closely held company, and you're talking about the minority owners, or whether it's a publicly held company, you're talking about the vast unwashed masses of of mutual fund uh, investors. Nobody likes surprises. And so if a company can, can give a compelling statement and a true statement about what it plans to do in the future, and then has a nice little disclaimer saying that this is a forward-looking statement, it can't be relied upon, it's speculative, and so forth, then that gives a level of of comfort to everyone. I I would recommend that companies not be too specific in, in expressing their vision for the future, because if they change, that can be perceived as a disappointment or a shock. But if they open it widely enough, then that gives everyone a mark to look for, Mm -hmm. and it tends to attract opportunities. Well, there's the art right there. Yes. It's figuring out, you know, what's the right amount to be transparent? When when do you not talk about things? Absolutely. So in the turbulent global economic environment, how can top leadership teams assess the significance of regulatory barriers at the planning stage of an acquisition? You know, I think that if you think about the regulatory barriers too soon, it takes the fun out of everything because just about everything good is illegal, right? (laughs) I mean, and, and, so many business practices can be criminalized tomorrow. Uh-huh. Even 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 profit making is soon going to be illegal in America. Well, <laughs> but, let's hope not. So my my <laughs> let's hope not. But in any event, I I think the the best advice I would give would be the CEO works with his board of directors who are should all be trusted advisors, possibly an outside advisor a generalist consultant, of course, a legal advisor, a financial advisor, getting together, mm-hmm. brainstorming where we headed, and then make a decision uh, based on, on that as to where you want to go, identify some opportunities. Then down the line, start worrying about the infinite number of regulations that can hang you mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I have a quick anecdote, I hope it won't be too long, but when I was a well, teenager, ahead. my father was inventing his wheel of opportunity and fit chart methodology for M&A strategic planning. Oh, and my. so every time I brought a boyfriend home, he would take them through the wheel of opportunity and fit chart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. So well, it served me well, because I've been married to Bernard for 40 years. <laughs> okay. It was a good screening tool. All right. Yeah. It's true, though. Regulations keep changing. 
And if you let yourself be ruled totally by Mm -hmm. that, then you never get anywhere, but you still have to keep it in mind. And again, that is the art. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Dr. Alexandra Lejeune, founding principal of CapEx and author of The Art of M&A, about immediately useful steps that top leaders can take as they formulate M&A strategy for their companies. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. One of the ways that companies begin potential M&A relationships is through strategic partnering, such as alliances. Right. But this comes with its own set of challenges. So how can you increase the likelihood of a return on your partnering investment? Read our free special report, Building Powerful Strategic Alliances. We developed our findings and conclusions based on responses from senior executives in over 15 industry sectors. And what they told us might surprise you. So learn more now by going to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 161. Scroll down to the resources section and click on the link to download our Strategic Alliance report. And feel free to contact us if you have any questions. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Dr. Alexandra Lejeune, founding principal of CapEx and author of The Art of M&A, on what top leaders need to know about how the art of M&A strategy is changing. Alex, remind us again how people can find out about CapEx and your book and that book signing. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. Well, the book is, we're going to have a signing August 22nd at the Barnes & Noble on Fifth Avenue, New York. And I believe your website will have a link to that, which is very yes. exciting. Of course, the book will be available everywhere fine books are sold. And my company is Capital Expert Services, and the, the website there is capitalexpertservices.com. Great. And uh, just as Alex said, you can find links and other information by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 161, and scroll down to resources. So Alex, this is the part of our episode where we like to talk with our guests about the immediately useful next steps. And in this case, it's about leadership teams and what they can do to find and develop M&A deals that ideally are going to be great successes. One of the biggest challenges, of course, is finding these M&A prospects and social medias out there, of course. How could it help you find the right prospects for an M&A deal, or could it? You know, I tend to think of social media as a place to make connections and convey news. I think still the the websites that are that are best for finding an actual target are and I don't I don't have them quite at hand but they there are websites that do list companies that are prospects. Then again, 
I'm not a do-it-yourself person. I think there are so many qualified M&A advisors. There's a whole association. It's Alliance of M&A Advisors, AMAA, out of Chicago, that has a membership of some thousand dedicated M&A advisors. So that's a community there. You tap one of them, and they're on it like you know a dog on a bone. Also, I would say that there are generalist consultants who are very good at helping you determine your strategy before you go into your search. And as I understand, it's, that's the kind of work that, that you do, Pam. So That's right. I, I do. I, I'm a big believer in, 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 I mean it, I'm a big believer in, in paying for professional expertise rather than try to do it myself. You think you can because there's LinkedIn and there's Google, but you can't. Right. You're going to waste a lot of time. It's true that I think there's always a different perspective to be had. You know, internal, you have one perspective. You're in your own system when you work with people, when it, there's enough of a stake in getting that expertise. It can make all mm-hmm. the difference for sure. What about an immediately useful next step for developing strategy in a way that's going to help us in this disruptive environment? So some practical short-term step. Strategy is about moving into the future. Right. So I would, I would suggest, and it's the, the only way I know how, is to have the leader of the company with his or her management team put together a number of scenarios, identify their, their weaknesses, identify their strengths, put together a wish list of possible acquisition targets, take a quick look at their financial capability and what kind of, what kind of ways they might finance the transaction. Mm-hmm. Start bringing in the board, have the board weigh in, and start to let it develop slowly but surely until does it, does it really seem like the right thing. See, M&A isn't always the right thing. Sometimes internal mm-hmm. growth is better. Organic growth is better. Absolutely. M&A may or may not be the right the right decision. And it, I really do think that if you have a board of directors, and I do recommend that all entities have one and use them, mm-hmm. even if it's an advisory board, if you're a very, very small company and you don't yet have a statutory board of, of any real meaning other than you and your fellow owner, it, it's always good to have those advisors. And I know, Pam, you and Scott, you yourself have, have a, an advisory network. And so leaning, going into that advisory network, using your board, getting all those perspectives and seeing if, if something takes hold. And then it really does, it's, over, it's almost like build it and they will come. Once you build that, that baseball field, the, the players will come, the, the fans will come. Once you build that strategy, the opportunity, it will attract the opportunities. Something you said a little bit earlier about the scenario planning, especially in a disruptive environment, is a very important concrete thing that more companies are going to need to do to be ready to pivot Mm. in a variety of different directions. So it isn't a very straight line anymore. And one of the things I noticed in your book you talked about is there's the vertical deals, there's the horizontal deals, and there's the diagonal deals. So being able to look and say, how could we look at this and come up with possible scenarios for what we might do? And doing it often enough that it becomes a regular part of how your company operates. Yes, Pam. And you know, you mentioned that idea of pivoting. And I want to emphasize that that's such a good point. What if, what if people stop using horses and start using something else? 
our no. buggy whips will no longer be sold. And that's an old cliche, but it's still quite enduring. It really works. There, there are industries that become relatively obsolete. They have to get ready to diversify and, and change. And so it's always important to be aware of the external environment, what is happening, especially if you're in technology, but even if you're not in technology. Mm -hmm. Every company is in technology mm -hmm. these days. <laughs> We're sitting here in technology. Right. But uh, this, is, this has been a very special conversation because I think more and more companies are going to need, more leadership teams are going to need mm -hmm. to think in different ways about the art of M&A and the art of M&A starts with the art of M&A strategy. So are there any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave us with on, on this topic? I'm glad you reminded me of the, the vertical, the horizontal, and the diagonal. And that is still very true just to say you might want to merge with a competitor. You might want to buy a supplier. You might want to be bought by a customer. The, you might want to diversify and go into a new field. And then right. there's, of course, geographic change. So if you think of strategy, and I have to go back to my dad's wheel of opportunity, as <laughs> a large circle with many, many pieces to the pie, you will, you will free your imagination to face your prosperous future. So pre-planning allows you to be spontaneous in the moment. It seems like it's impulsive, but it's yeah. actually not. Well, this is yeah. great. Alex, thanks again for being our guest on Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you. Thanks, Alex, and thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 161. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with these questions to discuss with your top leadership team. How will we stay current about the changing art of M&A strategy and its implications for our company's growth now? And how will we do it in the future? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.